First, a podcast where two buds talk trash about how their favorite shows begin. We're the two buds. I'm Alex. And I'm Ethan. So, no, we're, we're doing Halloween stuff. Different holiday. Different holiday. Better holiday, in my opinion. Yes. Agreed. I am so excited. Uh, for, for those who follow me on Twitter and maybe elsewhere, you've known that I've been doing spooky, scary streams on Twitch. And I say that as someone recording, this is of... October 7th. When this releases, it's going to be almost October, or almost October. It's going to be almost Halloween. It's going to be so, practically October. Practically October. Part two. The only part of 2020 I want to see redone is October. That's it. Let's just have 12 months of October. So we have October, October Jr. That's that's November now. Mm-hmm. And then October the 3rd. Mm-hmm. And then, and then January is October Supreme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think February can stay, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's all right. It's fine. It's short enough. <laughs> but we get to do... Anyways, I've been celebrating Halloween for almost an entire month. Ethan, how have you been getting in the spooky spirit? It's It's been... So I think this is just prime, like, 2020 vibes, but I just... I honestly haven't been doing a whole lot, unfortunately. I've been really eager, but it's just been... Eh. <laughs> but I have been watching some more spooky stuff. The book I'm reading right now is about necromancy, so I think Ooh. that counts. I feel like that counts, and I'm trying to find more horror animes to watch after uh, our previous Halloween episode. That's horror, not horror animes, just to clarify. <laughs> Similar. I mean, if they get both, I mean, good for them. I just need the audience to know, because you don't get the visual that I get. Ethan's currently wearing a very Mac-tastic shirt with no sleeves. You know and- what? And that's all I'm thinking of right now as I yeah. see him in his sleeve. I can see his shoulders. <laughs> I just need a dock tattoo on my on my shoulder. I've gotten the habit of what I've been uh, when I get excited now of sending the karate Mac the- as a gift. <laughs> but again, we're not talking about that today. No. We're talking about Halloween. 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 I just I feel those vibes. What you said, like it's just 2020. It's kind of like whatever. I was thinking about this today as I was contemplating my note for today's episode, mm-hmm. and it has been a slow decline. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think we'll ever be at the low that The Crown was, because The Crown was pretty shoddy for my notes. But even sure. today, I was like, yeah, I could totally watch this episode while I cook dinner. I have never done that before, and I didn't, I couldn't do it very long. I was like, I have to actually sit down and write You're notes, like, but. hold up, wait, there's stuff happening, and I don't recall what's going on. <laughs> And I had to remember this here soon, so shit, I gotta sit down. But like, it's not that I don't care about the show or anything, it's just big vibes, big 2020 oh, yeah. vibes. Big 2020 sure. vibes. Well, and, and like I told you, you, you were messaging me when you were getting ready, like halfway through it, and I was like, oh shit, I honestly don't remember anything about this show that I, I gave you, but that's because of how long ago it started, so I guess, yeah. <laughs> so I had to go back and rewatch it too, and I was like... I'll I'll put this in the background too because I've seen it, but I don't remember it. So I was like, "No, I'm tracking now. I'm I'm getting the vibes. I remember." I just I feel like at the beginning of the year, we we're all the freshmen at college with such high hopes of productivity. 
And like there were there were rules for this in the beginning. And I was like, yeah, no, we both need to watch both episodes. We need to take good notes. We got a good discussion. Now I'm like, fuck yeah, do whatever you want. As long as it's good content, I don't care. We're just podcast gremlins. Like it's what we can call the audience from now on. Or I mean, maybe we're the two podcasts. This this kind of vibes on on our other friends thing. <laughs> two <laughs> two gremlins and a podcast. Two gremlins and a podcast. <laughs> Time to make another podcast, Nate. If you're listening, we hear you, buddy. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Just for you, shout out. But, but so, so I feel like we've teased. I made, twisted, forced Ethan to watch a little show that I felt like did not get enough love called Marianne. And then I, I don't know if I was being mm, vindictive or mean or if I, I thought it was just going to be funny or whatnot. Or I just heard horror and I was like, yeah, this is a show I remember at one time being a horror special-ish. Was a little show called Sleepy Hollow. Let me tell you, that sure, they're both in the horror genre. But they have their, they're, they're still in completely separate subcategories of, per se, horror. I guess this is maybe goes off to say, have we talked about what our own personal horror tastes are? Like, I really think of myself as a horror fiend. I enjoy scary content. I think we talked about it, like, off air. I think you, Kyle, and I talked about it at one point in time. But, oh, jeez, I'm trying to remember. I mean, we've talked zombies. We've talked aspects of it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think I've discussed, too, maybe even this, uh, for me... For uh, me falling in love with horror, I used to hate scary stuff as a little kid. But like as a teenager, I really gripped onto it because my dad was deployed, teenage angsthood, and it was really a good way for me to control my anxiety because yeah. at least it gave me a way to funnel my fears in a way that I could understand. Versus, oh god, my dad might die, y- you know, uh, kid stuff. But distractions, it's, easy. It's stuck, right? Yeah. And so I, if it's horror content, I will highly likely just inhale it i love spooky stuff all genres ghost paranormal slasher gore porn like saw stuff oh my god i used to love saw saw was was like primo like i got well i say primo the first one was amazing i watched the second one and then after that i feel like i kind of got fatigued from the whole saw franchise and it was probably like another five years until i saw like any of the other saw movies (laughs) First three are very strong, and then it goes, boom. Yeah. But, like, I just, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. So, when I recommended Marianne, I just was like, I want to suggest something scary and creepy. And yeah. I checked those boxes. <laughs> I did not check those boxes for you. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! <laughs> so, I just want to apologize ahead of time. Again, for anyone who's listening, too, Marianne's fucked up. Yeah. It's it's a fucked up show, but uh, for so for like for you, Ethan, what are your things? So yeah, I I don't go out of my way to per se watch a, a lot of horror all the time, but if there is something that like catches my eye in the horror realm, I like dive right into it. Like when the first Conjuring came out, I was all about that. Like <sighs> I was one hundred percent, and it's probably still one of my favorite like horror so movies to so to, go to go to. Yeah, and again. All the other ones kind of fall wayside. I enjoyed, like, when they did the Annabelle spinoff of that. There's the the Conjuring, you know, cinematic universe kind of going on there. But there's all those. I wasn't big into, like, paranormal activity per se. But, you know, those, like, finder cam ones and stuff like that. Just give me good suspense. And 
Yeah, jump cuts are effective because they do that. So if you give me even a, just a cheesy movie, but they do jump cut cuts effectively, I love it. Um, I think, like we were saying before in a conversation we had previously, I'm all about that body or transformation horror and everything. Because two of my like favorite movies that I always go to during Halloween, which are still on the list because they go to the tail end for the best of it. I freaking love John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, we did talk about this with Wonderland, I think. Did we? Okay. <laughs> or, oh, no. Or, or no, or was it? No, it was with Kyle, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, no, John Carpenter's The Thing, and then Cronenberg's The Fly with Jeff Goldblum in it. Like, there was a scene I remember when I was 11 years old, and it's the scene in The Fly where Jeff Goldblum is literally peeling off a fingernail, and then he, like, squeezes the finger and, like, pus flies out on the mirror. And I was like, cool, I'm traumatized for life. This isn't... <laughs> You know, anything that's going to, like, come back to haunt me in my nightmares or anything. <laughs> but I think I also just love the practical effects of that. Mm -hmm. For a while there, when they were really marketing it hard, I kind of had, like, a promotional subscription rate with the streaming platform Shudder, which is technically owned by, like, Nick Cage and stuff like that. So I saw a couple of those. really enjoyed Mandy. Any of, like, Nicolas Cage's, like, horror stuff is great. Technically, Ghost Rider falls into that, in my opinion, but, you know. We're not talking about that right now. Uh, <laughs> I'd say between the two shows we have, Ghost Rider probably falls somewhere in the middle, maybe. Uh. <laughs> maybe the second one, maybe not the first one. Well, I just, I want to say thank you for watching, Marianne. There's not a lot of people I can recommend that show to. Yeah, and I hadn't heard about it. Like, when you were talking about it, I was like, oh, I must have missed when this was, like, on Netflix. And the reason because is it's a French series. It's an international series. And unfortunately, I don't feel like, obviously, American Netflix gets as much, you know, international shows on the American Netflix get as much love. Because there's quite a few horror ones that have come out there. Like, a, I think I have on my queue a show called Dark. Mm -hmm. that's like i think german or french as well there's quite a few of those and i always just forget about them because they're on the lower platform and they aren't trending as much as obviously american shows are i think we briefly talked about this on discord before we started recording but what i really like about netflix that surprised me is that their dubs are really good yeah when i was first watching marianne i couldn't quite tell at first like wait is this actually is this mm -hmm. dubbed is the syncing just weird mm -hmm. gosh i think the other one that i started watching before that which wasn't quite on, on par for dubbing um but also you know i have to think of how our mouths form words right in different languages mm -hmm. but i think it's called typewriter and i watched it after house on the hill Mm. that mm -hmm. came out uh, and yeah. then this was kind of like their sub in not their sub in but th this was a highly recommended if you liked that show yeah i think and i want to say it was typewriter but it was based in india okay. and i kind of like a haunted house thing with kids and it didn't quite grip me enough because the dub was not quite matching but again i think that's more of a language difference of just yep. how mouth mm -hmm. shapes work yep but no so marianne does a really good job of, of their dubs i have a few gripes with a couple of like their sound edits because I, I realize, obviously, I think they can't, they have to use, obviously, the dubbed audio. And so for a lot of that, they have to scrub out the previous audio along with it to overlap it. And so there's some interesting, like, sound effects. I can't really pinpoint anyone specifically, but there was some stuff in there that I was like, okay, it didn't need to sound like that, per se, or something. I was like, okay, it's, it's not necessary, but okay. <laughs> 
You know, I think we're going to start, I would make you start talking about Marianne, just because we've already gone this far. Okay. Yeah. But I'd also argue, I think, from what I remember, I think some of the sound effects are weird on purpose. That's true, too. Yeah. Like, I'll just jump into it. So, Marianne, also, I'll preface it this way. No, I'm going to save that for the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Clickbait tease. Hold on. No, wait. Wait a minute. I just didn't know how to, I wanted to organize my thoughts on this, because it is like a proponent thing, but I'll leave it until after uh, the mm-hmm. synopsis which is going to be pretty quick. It's very suspenseful, so a lot of the story takes place fairly quickly. It's just long and prolonged. Uh, basically, we end up with this character, which, ooh, I am spacing on names. Um, <laughs> main character, main protag. Yeah, main protag one. <laughs> not Marianne. No, not Marianne. Marianne is the witch throughout this entire thing. So Emma is a writer, and she is... Effectively, the French version of, I guess, Stephen King writes an entire series based off of a witch named Marianne and her protagonist, which I think is like Lauren or something like that. Basically, she effectively is finishing her book series and leaves it very open-ended. And she's like, you know, she's that kind of like punk, I don't give a fuck type girl. So she's like reading the like last two pages of her book at her actual like book debut and everyone's like whoa wait a bit you just read the story we told you to read the best part is like yeah the best part is the ending (laughs) or like you know her favorite part is that oh to backtrack real quickly the way we're introduced at the very beginning is we're hearing the audio about emma and everything on a radio and then uh this woman is trailing into a living room she's looking for her mom uh she's in her mid-30s but she's living with her mom or something like that checking in on her and we hear mumblings and whisperings happening from the kitchen as she approaches the kitchen she sees her mom literally like shoving a knife or pliers into her mouth and like literally like pulling out teeth like and she says she's marianne and she needs to give this to emma and so and then credits roll there and, and that's what I knew I'd be in love with the show. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> like I like I mentioned before, Conjuring, it's got that vibes. I love like the dark, gritty, like, you know, obviously witchcraft vibes and everything like that. So t- this leads to the next scene where we get introduced to Emma and then her assistant agent or the agent's assistant, Camille, I think. So She's like, I'm taking a break before the signings, and they're talking about, hey, let's go have a drink after this. No, 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 we need to... It's just showing how Camille's the responsible one, and Emma's just kind of along for the ride, because she's like, I don't freaking care anymore. I'm done with this. I'm going to try to write something new. I've written her for about 10 years at this point. I'm just done with it. Then... She goes to the book signing, she sh- she goes through the line, kind of shows off that she's drinking alcohol in her, like, you know, sippy mug and everything like that, just handing out books willy-nilly. And then we finally see the woman uh, that we previously mentioned in the opening. She's there to give Emma her mother's gift. She's like, you need to come back home. My mom is acting all weird. And they're actually old classmates, buddies from, like, you know, grade school or high school. Uh, Emma's like, well, no, I'm kind of doing my own thing. And she's like, she's not well. Your books are like really affected her. She's like, oh, cool. A super page. She's like, no, you don't understand. She like stalks me while I'm sleeping. And one night when I closed my eyes and actually fell asleep, she carved this into me. And she's got this entire like intricate, like scarring, like stitching work on her like 
side and ribs and everything, and she lifts her shirt to show it. And then at the same time, she shows what I effectively was like, oh, cool, a hex bag, like from Supernatural. It is literally a bag with some string. She undoes it, and it's literally a square piece of flesh with hair and teeth all wrapped in it. And so I was like, cool. I was like, oh, that is so gnarly. Like the the, the flesh part, especially because it's uh-huh. like it's like still like Gooey. moist, moist. It's not like dry, actual like leather, like, you know, dry skin, like Necronomicon dried skin or something like that. It's actually still like got its uh, texture, I guess. <laughs> but then security comes, drags her out. And I was like, oh, that was fucking weird. They go to have drinks and Cammy is asking Emma, why are you done with the books? They've made such a good hit and everyone loves them. She's like, well, I've had these nightmares forever and that's how I started it because I always had nightmares about Marianne. So once I started writing about her, the nightmares went away. So now I'm in a good place and I'm just tired of it and I don't want to even think about this anymore. She apparently has a fiance and so she was supposed to go back home to him or go have dinner with him, but she uh, stood him up and so when she gets home uh, she goes to grab like a bottle of water and on the there's a little sticky note that says hey you're probably drunk don't disturb me you stood me up I don't want to talk to you and she's like I'm not drunk (laughs) stumbles and takes off her clothes trying to be as quiet as possible says sorry and then Pierre's his name I think is right next to her in the bed Uh, but then she wakes up and I knew immediately she was having a nightmare because we see like these like dark figures like crawling up the side of the bed and then we see a hand creeping over the end of the bed and then she, you know, sees a face and it's like, Emma, right. And then she wakes up and then she's fine for a moment and she uh, appears like, oh, did you have a nightmare? He's like, yeah. And he's like, good, serves you right. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's not nice. I want to see your face. And he's like, you sure you want to see my face? And at this point, again, we're getting the dream within a dream. And you're like, ah, shit, what's the face? We don't really see his face because as he turns over, she turns away because she doesn't want to see it. She realizes uh, she messed up. And then he turns her face upwards and we see the mother or Marianne effectively looking down on her and telling her to write and everything like that. And then she wakes up again and it's day. Pierre's gone. He's left another note that says, I've taken all my important things. I'll come back for it later. If not, you can throw it away. I don't care. So basically, she ruined the relationship enough that he just full on ditched. And we only saw him like one scene. So at this point in time, she's going back to her agent to approve like the tour because she has to go to London, but she doesn't want to. And they are talking about the American deal. So by the time she gets there, the classmate Caroline was her name. And the other thing I really like is they kind of use chapters throughout this. Chapter one was Caroline. And then shortly after this, it'll be chapter two, which is actually named after the town Elton. So they're kind of doing it in phases where they're using book chapters from her original first book to tell the story that's actually happening now. Very meta, you know. So Caroline's there and she (laughs) she got in before anyone else like knew that she was like, you know, barred or like security wise. So before Cammy could tell everyone, hey, not to let her in. She got there very first thing in the morning. She went there and she's up on a very top shelf and she's hanging over the balcony edge. And so Emma is trying to calm her down. And then she pulls out a rope, 
puts it around her neck, has her cross there. She drops it to the ground and says, hey, take that back to my mother for me. You know what's going to happen to me because Marianne, uh, you know, doesn't leave empty handed, which is a line from her books and everything. And then with another like, and then she just drops off the end and uh, hangs herself and has a nice little crunch sound, which isn't one of the sound effects that I necessarily had a gripe with, but I was just like, oh, okay, we're going in for it right away. (laughs) Fast forward, she effectively is going back home to drop off the necklace and double check on her family because uh, Caroline mentioned she'll come for your parents too, so... You know, you got to go back to Elden. She goes back to Elden. She stands on the side of a lake and is looking at a lighthouse. And then she turns around. The priest is there and his dog is barking at her. And so it's a weird interaction where the priest is even like, hey, don't you? You were never supposed to come back to this fucking town, you weirdo. And and she's like, oh, fuck you, bitch. And they kind of leave on terms like that. So disdain for the priest and disdain for Emma. She visits Caroline's mother's house, and the juxtaposition between the neighborhood is great because you can see that this house is just disheveled, worn down, not being taken care of, the leaves on the trees are dead, the grass is dead, and then you look next door and everything's thriving. It's just, you know, a regular fine greenhouse, green grass and everything like that. It's totally normal. So it's like, literally, this is a dead spot. and. You know, if you know supernatural stuff, that's bad. If everything's dead surrounding it, that's bad. They go up to the door. The mother creaks in. And she is very weird throughout the entire interaction. She asks them to go inside. They do. She drops off the cross. She looks very weirded out by the cross and kind of just drops it while going to (laughs) grab some tea for them. She comes back, puts down the tea, and then... They start talking about how much she loves her books and everything, how Marianne's great and everything like that, and how she's upset that, you know, Emma's not writing anymore. She knocks over the tea, and she just stares at it. She doesn't care that the tea is spilt, that they didn't get anything. And then Emma's like, oh, well, I can, you know, write an autograph or sign a book for you. And then she's like, who do you want me to make it out to? Which I thought was weird that Emma's like, who do I write it out to? It's like, obviously you want it. So, Mm -hmm. but then it leads to the thing. She's like, oh, who do I write it to? It's like, oh, obviously to Marianne. And then it's a really weird, awkward interaction. They're not even talking about Caroline. She is actually referring to Caroline as Catherine, which I think has to do with later in the show, I'm assuming, because the entire time through the first opening, too, she was calling her by the wrong name and everything. So I think has some other stuff to do with Marianne. But then they're like, okay, this is weird. Uh, Bye. And then the mother soils herself. She literally like pees in the seat. At first, I wasn't sure what exactly was going on. I was like, I wasn't sure if she was bleeding or something just because of the darkness of it. But she definitely peed and soiled herself. Cammy goes up to her and is like, oh, is it all right? I can help you. And then the mother grabs her hands down and is like, you've never been soiled like this before, but you will be. And it's like okay and so both of them like run out the door (laughs) and she's chasing after them they get in the car leave and she's you know saying she never leaves empty-handed i never leave empty-handed so it's very weird a part of this when before they got to eldon is cammy's never read the book so she's kind of our exposition for who marianne is marianne is a witch but she doesn't have a physical form she can actually possess body to body 
uh, you know, the the wife of a devil type thing. So could be believed effectively, oh, Marianne's in this mother's body type thing. Then they go to check on the family because they haven't been receiving or answering their phone calls or voicemails. So Emma goes in the house. She's looking around. She hears some sounds from upstairs. And she's like, Mom, is everything okay? And at first I thought it was going to be a lot weirder, but they obviously break the tension because they can't have too much suspense at one point in time. She gets halfway up the stairs and she sees like bodies like writhing on the stairwell, which I thought was going to be like some sort of contorted demon. But no, it's just mom and dad banging on the stairwell, <laughs> which Emma's like, oh, gosh, oh, sorry. And just like uh. runs away a bearers like, you know, a kid would be walking in on their parents having sex. And so it's like, it's completely natural. We blah, blah, blah. And so they go out and they're in their like bathrobes talking to Emma's like, come on in. He's like, no, just checking on you. You're fine. And like, they were like, well, we were away on vacation. We actually just got back. Emma had found one of those hex bags on the door before going in. So that's why she was even more concerned. But now that she sees that they're there, she's fine and just wanted to avoid having some time with them. They sit down to all have dinner, mom, dad, Emma and Cammie. And there's a lot of awkward silence and tension. The dad kind of breaks it and is like, you need to apologize to your mother. We haven't heard from you in like over a year and a half. So she is like, what? I already said sorry. And then the mother's like, nope, I want to talk about pleasant things. We're in the present. It doesn't matter what happened in the past. So you get some like history or illusion that something happened in the past and they're not talking about it. And I'm assuming because Emma seems still a little ashamed or like deflective of it. They have dessert. Cammie and Emma share a room just to sleep for the night. Cammie gets up in the middle of the night and has to use the bathroom. So she kind of walks and navigates through this dark, dark house, hearing some sounds from downstairs. And then and then she uses the bathroom and then she hears like some scratching along the walls, something dragging across the floor, stuff like that. Finally, someone's trying to open the door and it's like a big rattle and everything, which I'm surprised she didn't shout out, hey, someone's in here earlier. But like she finally does. And it, and it finally like the knob stops twisting and kind of goes back to normal. She finishes going to the bathroom. She walks out. No one's there. Nothing's happening. Then she sees like you just see this black shadow run across the downstairs area. And then she stops and then she looks again. And then it's just the mother completely naked, just looking out the window. And then all of a sudden she just starts puking like good old exorcist style. And so you're like, huh, that's weird. (laughs) Once the light gets a little bit better, you can see she also has some like stitching and cuts just like Caroline had. And then Cammy calls out, is like, hey, you okay? All of a sudden, the dad nakedly bum rushes Cammy from the other side of the hallway and doesn't necessarily like tackle her or anything, but just runs up to her and she's like behind a wall. So it's like that weird thing where they slam on the wall and she's just there. And so just seeing him completely naked, like maybe like two feet away from her. And then she doesn't know what to do. The dad's like, this isn't us. Do you understand? And it's like, Okay, then he and the mom go down the stairs and everything are together and go out the door. The alarm goes off. Emma wakes up, runs to Cammie, sees if she's okay, and then she notices that her parents ran off. Chases them into the woods and then notices they disappear completely out of the blue. So Emma's freaking out and she actually like sounds sincerely apologizes and everything. She's like, I'm sorry, mom, dad, where are you at? And then all of a sudden she turns around and the dad's there and just yells, right. And 
she passes out, and that's the end of the episode. I forgot that that all happened the first episode. Yeah, it was a 55-minute episode, and it, it, I mean, like I said, the suspense and all the, like, conversation does obviously take a bit of that, but I was like, oh, yeah, but a lot of stuff. Feel free to disagree with me, but it seems to have very much, it has John Carpenter vibes, and it also has just, like, classic Exorcist and Friday 13th, and just the way the story builds is very, Mm. what I consider classic horror. Not like 50s, but like the 80s, 70s to 80s. Good suspense overall. Mm. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. You know, as horror goes, I I don't think there's anything like cinematically retelling about this show per se, or or story breaking wise. But this is the thing I absolutely love about it is, I love the trope about writers creating their own monsters effectively. One of my favorite video games of all time was Alan Wake which very much in kind of the same spirit as this. So mm-hmm. from what I've gathered, it's, well, uh, who manifested who in the sense that Emma's been having these nightmares all her life. And so the more she's been written about, the more real she is. So she's kind of got that. If I'm out in the world, I can grow and get stronger. And now that she's not writing anymore, the nightmares are coming back and Marianne wants to be exposed more as uh, building strength again so it's kind of like this interesting thing where hey you know start writing about me again or bad things will fall upon you type thing and i just like that like i said kind of got like stephen king ask or some other kind of tropes where you know a troubled writer is writing something that taps into something otherworldly almost very kind of you know lovecraftian horror based and stuff like that I feel like I don't watch a whole, I mean, I, I do watch a whole lot of scary stuff, but not so many shows do such a good job of just being a love letter to a genre. Right. And I, I, I think there are so many little moments that are such a nod of inspiration from the past that are... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of related it to, when I think about this show now, obviously it's on a kind of different spectrum of it, but in the same vein as, you know... I keep on relaying to uh, Stephen King, but his son, Joe Hill, does a lot of good stuff, too. He's written a couple of books, some that have had terrible movie adaptations, some that have adequate Netflix adaptations like Lock and Key, which Lock and Key is more spoopy in the sense. But if you read the graphic novels, they don't shy away from a lot of things. There is a lot of gore and actual horror elements than they did to lighten up the mood in the Netflix show. So, Joe Hill also did The Cape, right? I don't think he did The Cape. He did Horns. Okay. Actually, I think most of the books he's done have some sort of adaptation now. His first big book was Nosferatu, which was it's effectively vampires and it's a big old book as big as probably like it or something like that. They made that an AMC, like, miniseries. Then he wrote Horns, which they adapted into the Daniel Radcliffe movie. And then his graphic novel he did called Lock and Key just now got adapted into a Netflix show. But yeah, no, it's been a while since I watched it. I'd say I I watched it when I was living with my roommate, so it was over the last year or so. Yeah, Um, I think it's only a couple years old. Well, it was after the first season of First that I watched it. Oh, okay. So I, I think I, I think the reason I watched it was because I thought the next season of The House on the Hill was going to be out, but it didn't. It's actually going to be out here in a few days, which yeah. means by the time that finale time comes around, I'll have a lot of thoughts because it's The House 
the haunting of Burr Hill or Burr, Burr House. Uh, yeah, Anyways. haunting house on Burr Hill or something like that. Yeah, very excited for, it, even though I don't know the name of it. And so I was trying to find something scary, and like Netflix really didn't come out with a lot of scary content last fall. No, and, and you had super... already finished Sabrina at that mm-hmm. point in time because we've talked about that. That's been a go-to show for you in the past. So like I, I was just like okay, well, what else? Is, I'm not even sure if it was a Buzzfeed Buzzfeed thing I found or something on Twitter. I was like, oh, this is so scary. And I was like, sure, I'll watch it. Sure. And sure. holy fuck, it's good. Right. Sure. 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 Um, I don't think it lived up to the hype that people were saying. Like they were saying that. And maybe Marianne wasn't the right one, but there was some show that was also going around. People were like, I quit after the first episode. And I'm like, okay, challenge accepted. Um, but this was really, I, I really, really, really hope you keep watching. More than any other show that I probably presented so far, I really want you to finish Marianne because it's so well done across the board. When it oh, ends, yeah. when it ended, I, let's be honest, it was probably a depression cloud. But like when it <laughs> ended, I had like such an empty feeling that like that, that feeling you get after you finish a good book. Just. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. And, and you I want had like, more. no one to talk to about it. Yeah. And I just, it really deserves a lot more love than it got. Oh, don't worry. I think, like we said, since it's spooky season, this only, from what I could see, was like only eight episodes long because it's, you know, f- you know, limited series type stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm probably going to dive in like a- a- again in the next day or two, like like after we record this. So it'll definitely probably be done before the 31st of October. I would warn for you and anyone else, some of the pacing's a little weird, a little slow at times. I feel like you probably felt a little bit of that in the first episode, too. Yeah, and I, I messaged you this, but the issue I kind of had is I watched this during the daytime, and our television is right in front of a bunch of windows, and unfortunately the sun's coming in that direction, so a lot of the darkness was amplified, so half the time I had an issue not being able to see exactly what was happening on screen. I still could gather a lot of it, but, like, I stood up a couple of times and I was trying to, like, block out light on the sides just to, like, get a better, like, you know, tunnel version of it. So it's definitely something I need to watch at night to amplify the spookiness of it all, so. It's just so good. Yeah. So good. I say psychological horror, but it's, like, it doesn't quite push that for me. There's just a lot of unanswered questions. Sure. I mean, that, and that's true horror. Like, they don't give you the exact... I feel like that's the best way that anything is ever explained to me is... You know, true horror isn't something that can be explained. If you have it all broken down and you don't leave either loopholes or still unanswered questions, then it's not a good enough horror or it's a mediocre horror. Things that are left open-ended, and I think they kind of proved that with the book too, is it's like the final battle between uh, Emma's protagonist and Marianne in the book, and it just ends on a cliffhanger like without any resolution per se. It's just them going full into battle, not knowing who won or who lost. And I'm sure this kind of leaves with similar vibes, like, how did this all happen? What occurred? This is kind of what I wish Constantine would have been the TV Mm. show. The TV show was good. Don't get me wrong. I'm just bummed that they got canceled before they could obviously go into their story they wanted to do. I don't think we've talked about Constantine before. I don't think so either. Love Constantine. Still haven't seen the Keanu Reeves Constantine, but I know everything. Yeah, still. What? I know. <laughs> haven't seen that one, but I've seen everything but that one. And I've read plenty of Constantine. Oh, Absolutely goodness. adore him. 
Listen, you don't watch the Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves for, for Keanu Reeves Constantine. You watch it for fucking Tilda Swinton. You watch it for the guy that plays the devil. There are so many other things you do to go into that movie. Oh, I oh know. God. And I just like when I got into Constantine, it was like three or four years after that movie had already come out. And then I just deep dived into it. I was like, and then like that was like, you know, almost gatekeeper mind. I'm like, well, that's the the Constantine everyone believes is Constantine. So I'm not going to watch it to you know stain my bias per se or whatnot but i'm still gonna eventually watch it i just i just haven't it's it's one of those things where there's a long list of things i'm gonna use this as a platform to yet again tell netflix to not be cowards or hbo max go whatever it is uh and make us a justice league dark series already thanks yes i need that in my life but i would say overall marianne is a very good show i shouldn't compare it to other shows that have or have not been canceled or that are not yet greenlit or in production. So, I mean, you can. It's our show. I mean, I can. We, we can do whatever we want. I just... <sighs> there's so many things that could be done for other shows. But we're talking about Marianne right now. <laughs> I think that might be one of my favorite first jokes that we have. It's like, we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about this. <laughs> Sorry. Off track. <laughs> Carry on. Get the train back on the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see here. We're going to do 13 because it's spooky season. Mm-hmm. Out of 13 freshly pulled teeth. Hmm. How, what do you, what do you rate Marianne? Hmm. I would say I would probably give it, I'd probably give it 11 out of 13. What's it missing? Like I said, I mean, again, this is kind of on the dub side. So I'm thinking one, maybe a little bit on the pacing, but you know, suspense has to have that. The lighting for me was a big issue. Like I said, I couldn't really see a whole lot of what was going on. I kind of had to assume what I was seeing on screen because I couldn't entirely see the outlines or shadows. And then like, yeah, it's more on the technical side than anything else. Story wise, love it. I'd probably give that like a 12 out of 13. But with the technical stuff, I put it down at like 11. That's solid. I think that's the yeah. most critical I've heard of you being on the technical side of a show. So it's, yeah. it's nice hearing it. Nice hearing the change of pace. Yeah. Awesome. I'm growing and evolving. If you're hanging out with me too long, mm. you learn how to be bitter and cruel and cranky about everything. I mean, occasionally. I look far too bubbly for as much hate and spite <laughs> as I have within me. <laughs> uh, what did I watch? Hugh watched a show called Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was it, uh, was it super spoopy? I just, you know, it's network TV. It's such a difference for Marianne because Netflix can get away with so much more. So much more mm-hmm. than what... I don't even know what network this was on. Fox. It was on Fox. Very first three lines, right? The, the scene. The scene that we start off with. Fucking, we'll get there. <laughs> Ethan, we'll get there. We'll get there. The show starts with a uh, revolutionary war. British fighting Americans. And there's a man... And he's checking the pulses of dead people, and someone else is like, Ichabod, look! And he looks over his shoulder, and there is a man. He is a British soldier on horseback, and he has, like, this big black, like, iron mask. And has this giant axe, too. And they have, like, this quick brawl that happens between the two of them. This guy, this British guy, completely axes Ichabod just straight across his chest. It's nasty, it's gross, but Ichabod's a badass. He's a hero, right? You know, yeah. we all remember the Ichabod from the Disney cartoon. Yeah, totally, Same not, guy. totally not cowardly. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Just straight up chops his head off. Which also, by the way, guys, that's really fucking hard to do. 
There's a lot of bone yeah. and tissue. Oh. A lot of executions can't do it. I mean, like, yeah. Anyways, we don't need to go into detail about that. <laughs> we don't need to go into the anatomy of the human neck. No, no, no. Well, this is more murder podcast, not us. Yeah. Uh, and he, like, kind of blacks out because he got fucking sliced real good. Sliced and diced. And, like, he's going in and out of consciousness. He hears a woman say, stay with me, Ichabod. Sure. Sounds great. You don't see her face. <laughs> the more thoughts about this woman later, though. And, and uh... <laughs> Sorry. And the next thing you do see is, like, the shot of a cave. And it's, like, a pan down or camera down shot. It's a pentagram on the ground. You see him digging his way out of the grave, essentially. And he's looking rough for wear. And he's a little confused. He sees all this witchy shit around him. He leaves. And, like, right outside of it is, like, a waterfall. I call it a waterfall. I don't know. It's small. It's not like Niagara Falls waterfall. It's a forest waterfall. And he gets some water, goes and continues to stagger around, eventually finds paved road. Right? Mm-hmm. And you see, like, the yellow line, too. So, you know, it's like, oh, it's a modern paved road. Oh. 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 What, what happened? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I also want to say, like, as soon as he was clawing out the ground, I knew the basic concept of the show. So, I'm like, I he's in modern America. Classic. Classic. <laughs> Supernatural time travel. And as he's reaching out to touch the pavement, I have this specific note. Uh And I hate to call everyone out on this, but it's going to (laughs) happen. There are two people who watch the show, Ethan. Only two people. And there's a reason Mm -hmm. I got canceled after four seasons because of it. Sure. Only four seasons. (laughs) Hmm. People who watch Lucifer. Mm Mm-hmm. And people who simp after Captain Hook and Once Upon a Time. The only two people who watch... (laughs) The show. As a person that watched most of Once Upon a Time and only like two episodes of Lucifer, I would tend to agree because I remember stopping like halfway through the show. <laughs> I, and it's just, it has that energy. When did the show come out? I didn't even write, I, 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 even I up don't it. remember. Like I told you, like I couldn't remember this like pilot. Like I had to go back and rewatch it because I was like, I honestly don't remember anything from like the show 2013 yeah i was just finishing up part of college so yeah that was seven years ago and that was a few years into once upon a time at that point because once upon a time started like my freshman year of college Mm -hmm. so it just we had this energy of fairy tale meets modern day and there's a lot of things here that happen in this episode that remind me of once upon a time as a whole too sure but so anyways there. It's not a criticism. It's just, it's just it was a vibe, an energy. It's just an observation. <laughs> you can be it's mad, a, but I'm right. It's so. just a hypothesis. <laughs> Let's take a poll. <laughs> and I say this as someone who simps very hard after Captain Hook and Once Upon a Time. Anyways, so um, the next thing we have is two cops and a diner. And again, like I said, I've been watching a lot of Fargo, so I got yeah. very excited. <laughs> and and then I recognize, oh, this is not even five minutes in. I'm like, fuck, who is that? Who do I, where do I know him from? I paused it, had to look it up. The guy cop. His name is, actor's name is Clancy Brown. Uh, he's been in a lot. Yes, he has. You know, a little movie, Shawshank. <laughs> Something. Uh, one other movie that you haven't seen, apparently. I haven't seen it. I know, it's, I, it's like... Probably the top three movies I haven't seen that I really need to see at some point. As much of a cinephile as I am, it's weird that I haven't. I've seen the whole Coen Brothers collection, (laughs) but I have not seen Shawshank Redemption. I went with my buddy, like, 
last year around this time and they had Shawshank Redemption replaying in the theater. So we, of course, went to that because it's like in the top movies. I just don't don't hate on me for that. Not in general, not you. Ethan, you can you, yeah, you could hurt fly. <laughs> it's true, I couldn't. But I I feel like you probably recognize him from somewhere. I know him from a lot of stuff. Like you said, Shawshank Redemption. He's also Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. He's he's also the voice of Sutter in Thor Ragnarok. He's done a lot of voice acting. He was even in the Mandalorian. Yeah. A lot of stuff. I just remembered. So when I looked at the IMDb, I guess I didn't write down. I was kicking myself for it. I know him for his very important role. Remember how I just said I've watched all the Coen Brother movies? Yeah. He's in Hail Caesar. Oh, I, is he? It, like, it's a very brief role <laughs> as a Roman. Like, five lines tops. That's, That's where also, I know Clancy Brown from. He's, he's also in Starship Troopers. <laughs> That's right. He is in Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought of that. He's in Starship Troopers, too. Oh, goodness. So, uh, anyways, I saw him, and I'm like, oh, he's he's too big of a name. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I immediately called out, like, oh, that's, he's dead. He's so dead. He's so dead. Uh, and I were not wrong, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, and he's also having this dinner, late night dinner, with his co-worker, partner. He's a sheriff. She's a cop. Uh, and, and her name's Abby, right? And they have this mentor-mentee relationship that's very... Uh, playful but also you know you're not my real dad uh has that kind of connection right you're not my real daddy (laughs) (laughs) and she's giving him shit for like looking at the newspaper and trying to find cases unsolved cases and it's like no we're off the clock we're off the clock he's like you're never actually off the clock you never know what you're missing out on isn't it weird that we have all these missing disappearances or these mysterious disappearance missing disappearances jesus christ mysterious disappearances and all this weird stuff happening around our town No. Okay, sure. Just be like that. I get it. You're going to run off and be an FBI agent. Well, we got a badass over here. But are you sure you're not just running away? Whatever, dad. Like, just (laughs) blowing him off. And as they're having this banter back and forth, the camera kind of zooms out or zooms in to a priest in another booth behind him. Like, ah, that's going to be an important character later on. (laughs) Cool. Neat. 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 Into it. (laughs) They leave. And as they're leaving the diner, they get a call from the radio saying, hey, Local farms having a noise disturbance. Do you mind checking it out? It's probably just coyotes and Abby's like, yes, this is exactly why I enjoyed law enforcement. For cases like this, they get in the car and the sheriff's like, yeah, but you're going to miss this when you're gone. They go to the farm and it's quiet. They try to knock on the door. The farmer isn't there. That's a little weird. Uh, they're hearing some noise from the barn. The sheriff goes to check it out to try to calm down some of the animals. And she's ex- like just exploring some of the acreage in the immediate vicinity. And she sees an abandoned truck. I could just say farmer truck, and we all have the exact same image, I'm sure. Okay, maybe that's just a Montana thing. Who knows? I don't know. We'll find out. (laughs) Door open, rifle on the ground. And so she radios her her partner, and it's like, hey, uh, whoop on the ground. We need to be careful. There's something not right here. At that time, as he's trying to calm down a horse, out comes the Headless Horseman. Whoa. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Done. And by the way, this is when he fucking dies. Not the headless <laughs> horseman, but the sheriff. Remember how I just called that a few minutes ago? Yeah. Yeah, he dies. Wow. Like, real, real good. Five minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes later. Five um, minutes later. <laughs> gets his head chopped off. That's kind of the headless horseman's thing. Not sure if you knew that. His shtick, I guess. Oh, and then also before, like, I guess that happens is that Abby discovers a farmer with his head chopped off. Calls that in to the sheriff, and then the sheriff finds 
the Headless Horseman gets his head chopped off. But it's also weird because the axe gets, like, really hot before it happens. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Uh, bullshit magic, who knows. And... <laughs> Runes something. <laughs> we get this classic shot of him jumping on this horse and riding past Abby further in the distance, looks over his shoulder, horse trotting angrily, whatever. And... Is it really looking over his shoulder if he doesn't have a head? we'll get there okay it it also gets brought up later kind of sort of (laughs) kind of sort of thanks for a random cop npc but we'll get there yeah yeah so he tears off in the distance abby calls in officer down we're looking to arrest somebody cops come around and they find ichabod crane still in town he's new in town (laughs) looking mighty suspicious So they arrest Ichabod, and it turns out the guy who arrested him, so I'm pretty sure, okay, remember how earlier I mentioned I was cooking dinner at the same time as I was making mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, so I kind of missed who arrested him, but John Cho shows up regardless, and uh, he's a real, real cool actor too, mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, the cast for this is amazing. And he, you may know him, has the famous, infamous pairing of Harold and Kumar. He's also Sulu and Star Trek. You know, he's done a few roles. He's done a few things. He's great. I really enjoy whenever he pops into media. I'm like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this show. Sounds really good. What was the last thing I saw with him in it where he was like a foster dad? I don't know. I feel like he did something horror based lately. And I think that's what Ah, it is. There you go. I found it. Which is also now on Netflix. It used to be just a CBS exclusive, but now you can watch it on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's okay. I'll cover it in our finale wrap-up sometime. (laughs) Whenever we do that. Whenever. But, yeah, so he gets arrested by this other massive famously actor. And someone mentions the Hellas Horseman, and he's like, I know who this is. And then we have to go into the scene where he's on a polygraph machine, and Ethan! (laughs) I cannot have the time to explain to you how wrong it is. How wrong everything they do is. Bad. Polygraph bad. bad. Do your own research. Learn about the polygraph. Learn about what it is. Also, I just don't understand why people think that's like the easiest route to do like for, oh, he's obviously telling the truth type trope. Like you can't do anything else to like, you know, alibi it or anything like that. It's like, hmm. Machine don't lie. Machine don't lie. Human who run machine don't lie. This machine tells truth? (laughs) Infallible. (laughs) <laughs> FBI device, infallible. <laughs> it was made by man, so it must be true. Must be true. <laughs> but like, this is also their their mechanism as, as writers to kind of catch us up on the point between where he blacked out and where he woke up. Just a mm-hmm. little bit, though. Like, not too much. It's just like mm-hmm. a, a, a skosh more knowledge. As yeah. he talks about uh, going to the, the medic tent where his wife was working as a nurse, and she was trying to make sure that he didn't die, but it just wasn't going to happen. The last thing he really remembered was him her trying to help him stay awake. And when I remember what I said, like, we're going to talk more about the woman, this is classic what I'm going to say Sleepy Hollow as a trope genre is, because we also have the Sleepy Hollow movie, right? Mm-hmm. Cleavage. Just weird amount of collarbone and cleavage that just appears in these period drama shits. How else are you supposed to know if they're witches if they don't show skin? You're right. Shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, like are learning more about this, and then the the guy who's doing the, the polygrapher is like, well, you won the war, but you're like 250 years late. It like throws down a crisp $1 bill of George Washington's face on it. Because he also says like, oh yeah, I was spying for George Washington for 
to to give them information about the British. Also, everyone's being surprisingly cool with this dude, who they all very obviously do not believe and are thinks he's suffering from some kind of mental illness. They are literally thinking this man is cuckoo for cocoa puffs. And then we get another big actor. And I say big. The actor's name's Orlando Jones. <laughs> he's done a lot of stuff, but Ethan. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you where I know him from. Like, what, where I knew him from. I, I, I bet I can guess where you got him from. I'm, I'm going to take a guess. You ready for it? Yeah. Evolution? I hate that you know me so well. I know. I just... It's a great movie. <laughs> the man that's, that quoted the wise words, I want ice cream. Okay, buddy. What's it for? Doesn't matter. It's for my ass. For my ass. It's for my ass. He was also in Drumline, too, but that's uh, second par compared to Evolution. Evolution, I watched so much at a young age. Like At, at such a young age, I couldn't understand half the jokes. Mm-hmm. But boy, does it explain a lot about my sense of humor. <laughs> He's also in American Gods with Mr. Nancy. Yep. And has like a really, really awesome fucking badass intro. And that showed episode two. I haven't watched all of American Gods. It's on my to-do list. I just have never really had access to stars. So yeah, stars is tough to get into. You either have to buy it or, you know, just get the videos on DVD or something like that. But you can at least find that intro on YouTube. If you just do Mr. Nancy American Gods mm-hmm. intro, it, it was like a huge hit. It was a big splash when it hit because people just were really impressed by the cinematography, the delivery, everything about it was chef kiss choice. Yeah. So he, I think he's a, I think he's a fed. I think he's an FBI guy. Again, they had this polygrapher in too. That's not something really cops do. Like this, that's more of a fed thing. thing. Yeah. So I'm going to call him an FBI agent. It could be the captain though, because I, I watch, I watch my Netflix shows with subtitles because uh, audio processing is hard sometimes. And they Same. listed him as the captain. And when I tried to look him up on IMDb, they just gave me his name. They didn't give like mm. a, a title, so I thought that was interesting. And I didn't want to do much more of a search past that, so I didn't. <laughs> He's he's authority figure two after Clancy Brown. <laughs> yeah, Clancy Brown was Fargo sheriff, <laughs> and now Orlando Jones is fed suit guy. Yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 he's in a suit. He has the holster with the guns under his arm. Like he looks like a fed. Abby tries to talk to him about Ichabod. It's like, hey, can I have an interrogation with him? I just want to ask a few questions. There's some weird stuff that happened, and he was like, no, they're not allowed. Okay, but like, can I then maybe escort him, be the transport to the psychiatric facility because he's going to go under 72 hours of psychiatric observation because this guy is clearly on something. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And she's like, but blink, 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 blink. It's for closure. And he's like, fine, fuck it, get out of here. I'm just sick of you. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. Do your shit and get out. Get, just, just go, just go. Get, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Go. So she escorts him, being Ichabod, to the car, and this is going to start a long chain of what I call obligatory time travel banter. Because how else do you know that someone, these two people are from different time zones? Time zones. I mean, technically true. Technically. Time periods. Unless they're giving each other shit, one person not understanding anything that's happening, the other person talking down to them for not understanding anything that's happening. Time exposition. Yeah, exactly. And then you also... They kind of do a real quick, like, rug under of, you know, uh, racial situations with them. Uh Oh, Oh, slavery. Slavery is bad. I was never a part of it. Cool. All right. Moving on. Cool story, bro. Yeah. Oh, it was very forced by the writer. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, "Mm." (laughs) It's like, look how smart we are. We fucking get it. Thank you. Thank you for that. Thanks for reminding that slavery existed as if we forgot. Yeah. 
I just, yeah. So it's not that kind of show. <laughs> not that kind of show. And also, I want to point out this. This is something I wrote down too. Was Ichabod gives off this very Sherlockian smugness of like, I know a lot more about you than you think, and I'm actually not so dumb. And just Sherlockian is probably the best way I can explain his attitude. It's just that British smugness. <laughs> Which I'll get to the end of this description and explain, uh, or explain, I will share who I end up having a crush on by the end of this episode. It's not Ichabod, and that surprised me, because usually the Sherlockian thing gets me real good. Not this time. Not on my Christian Minecraft server. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. But there is this really cool technical part. I know technical stuff is usually more your bag as far as stuff that you notice, but it stood out enough for me, so let's mm. go say something, uh, that the camera has some really cool usage where it almost follows objects. It doesn't make you feel like you're the window or anything, right? It just, it has this really cool movement. It's like when the door shuts, the camera goes with it. There's a point where he's playing with the window of the car and it's going up and down. And it just is this really well done, subtle, I, I say subtle, Alex noticed it. It just, it stood out <laughs> as something that you normally don't see as far as technicalities go in network TV. Yeah. Yeah. Especially even for pilots and stuff like that too. And I think something about the movement of it also reminded me a lot of Edgar Wright directing, editing, that whole thing. Just that swift movement, not quite sure. the, the hard cuts, but just the way the camera moved was, was yeah. similar. So that stood out to me and I thought that was really cool and really well done. Nice. Jump a little bit here. I can banter. Uh, the banter is pretty good. I, I, I'm making fun of it a little bit, but the dialogue really isn't terrible. They get to the cave and they're exploring around some more. And, you know, the cop's trying to do her thing of doing cop descriptions. Uh, I think Parks and Rec does a really good job of teasing cops for the way they talk. But, you know, recording, trying to describe what the area looks like. And Ichabod finds a book. And he remembers this book being put putting on top of his dying body. And it turns out it's a Bible. Okay, everyone, I just need everyone to pause and enjoy for a moment what the show was up until this point. Because when I tell you, I'm like readjusting in my seat, like I'm getting pumped. Um, when I tell you, I was not anticipating this big plot twist. I was already here. I was already here for the ride of this weird supernatural bullshit, which, by the way, I also presumed that, oh, hey, fucking Headless Horseman's back. I bet some kind of timey-wimey magic bullshit that has them connected. Wow. Shock, figured it right? Out. I'm you so fucking smart, out. Ethan. You have no idea. You predicted Clancy Brown dying, and then you predicted that they're connected, that they both show up at the same time. It's like I, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff before, <laughs> um, and all our stories are just reused over and over again. Hmm, but funny. when I tell you this plot point, I was... <sighs> <laughs> I'm just gonna go into it. You're, I, you're, you're getting that you're getting that chaotic Charlie energy, and I absolutely <laughs> love it. You're like, can we talk about the news? Can we talk about the plot twist? Because I don't die talk, talk someone about the plot twist. <laughs> you're not wrong. I, <laughs> so it's that podcast gremlin energy I'm bringing back in. Yeah, there you okay, go. Okay, so he opens up the book and he's like, "It's a Bible." I'm like, that's weird. It's from Revelation. So I'm like, that's weird. Go on. <laughs> then they bring in the most famous quote from Revelations of death on a pale horse. And I'm like, oh, no. Because then they also oh do like the little clip of, of the war. The and flashback. The guy, the, the black metal mask on a white horse. And I'm like, oh, death. It's death. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're doing it. We're doing a four horsemen of the apocalypse fucking storyline in this Ichabod. What? 
What? We're doing this? This mat? What? (laughs) (laughs) It's so dumb, but I'm so here for it. Because whatever there's a Four Horsemen storyline, I have to. I I have have to watch it. You gotta. It's always so good. You got Supernatural. Oh, we could talk about death and supernatural till the cows come home. Yeah. What a great character. Yeah. Ah, ah, very good. Also, good omens. There's a lot of good stuff in good omens. Like, if for somehow you live under a rock and you have not watched good omens yet, treat yourself, do yourself a flavor, go do that. The four horsemen are on fucking motorcycles. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, matching leather. Yeah. Very good. Brilliant. Oh, goodness. So, anyways, here we fucking are. And this world of magic and shit. Also, did I skip over something? Uh, I don't think so. I think no, no, not yet. We'll get there because this is all part of the 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 the, the thing. Okay, the flashbacks. So, the flashbacks. Because then also the dumbest exposition that has me just mad. But again, I'm here for it. Ichabod <laughs> is like, that's right. That night, I went to the town with George Washington. <laughs> Whoa, where's this going? <laughs> I just, there's some shit in here that's very meme worthy. Like, by the way, there's also this motif of this hawk flying around and randomly screaming, at, you know, just so you remember there's this hawk flying around. And it just, it became such a meme format while I was watching it. But like, oh yeah, that's right. I went to the tent with George Washington. And he was saying this fight was going to be more important than just for America, but for the world, for the women and children all around. <laughs> And then, like, you learn that George fucking Washington knew about the four horsemen. And what a story. What a goddamn story to have George Washington <laughs> fucking throwing hands with the horsemen of the apocalypse. <laughs> My God. <laughs> if if I didn't know any better, I would say this would have gone up there with, like, Abraham Lincoln vampire killer and, like, Pride and Prejudice. Like, 100% franchise it. Make it happen. Oh, they I'm tried. They clearly it. tried. Yeah, they tried. Uh, so, they were getting, like, this... this Cutting in between of, we suddenly see the priest at night with a shovel going to the graveyard. What? What? And then the horseman shows up to kill him. You're like, what's this priest going to do with it? And then the priest uses fucking magic. Just, they're throwing this all oh. at you with a supernatural life is. I'm going to interject here too, because like you said, you were probably cooking dinner when this happened. But when they were on their way to the cave... Ichabod had a weird flashback where he saw, like, the priest was standing outside the church, so when they were driving past, Ichabod saw the priest, and then he had a weird flashback that the priest was actually back in time, sitting there next to his wife while he was dying in the I was going to bring that up, because he has that flashback again, later, when he's talking to, but you're right, yeah, he has this flashback a few times where this priest guy has been there for a while. (laughs) And anyways, so, yeah. Priest magic. <laughs> priest magic. I'm like, oh shit, we have a cleric. A cleric's joining yeah. the party. Uh, he doesn't last long. He also dies. There's mm. a lot of death this this episode. Mm. But he's like, I will never tell you where it is. And Headless Horseman's like, shrug emoji. Sure, sounds good. Dead bitch. Kills him. <laughs> Beheads him. Weird. Cauterizes. It's weird, this hot axe. Probably because he's fucking death. That's on the same technical side of it, too, because that camera just goes lopsided when he cuts his head off. You're just like, oh, 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 shit. (laughs) Camera work was very well done. Yeah. So because we have this new Moida, they have to go investigate. The cop, Abby, goes to the church to go investigate this death. And oh, yeah, by the way, Ichabod's still with her. And uh, Orlando Jones is like, oh, what the fuck? He's supposed to not be here. She's like, no, no, don't worry about that. It's fine. I'm, I'm here to investigate this murder now. Oh, hey, cauterize. Isn't that weird? That's the same MO as the first killing, the first two killings. Can we talk about this? And he's like, no. 
Can we just say that he has an alibi since he was with me, so he couldn't have done it the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's not a bad guy. Ichabod's not bad. Maybe a little weird, but he's not bad. He's strange. And so the FBI guy can't really fight that because he, he has his alibi, right? So, But he also really wants him to go to this psychiatric facility. Mostly because uh, because he said so. I don't know. I was writing notes. Because he's sus. Then suddenly, she, so when she left to go examine the dead body, she told Ichabod, stay, and lock the door. And he's like, wait, how'd she do that? Because he's, he's a dumb baby and doesn't know about cars. Witchcraft. Uh, <laughs> and, and so the next thing you see is him in the graveyard. And she's like, what, what are you, I told you to stay. Yeah, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm an insane criminal, so I'm not going to listen to simple instructions. <laughs> Which I thought was a very good line. Yeah. But he's like, I saw this bird. I'm like, you left the car for a bird? You idiot. Okay, <laughs> sure. This bird flew and landed on his dead wife's grave. And he's like, don't you see? It's a sign. And she's like, you know what? Honestly, I don't give a fuck. I'm out of here soon. I'm out of here in two weeks. I'm going to Quantico. And he's like, what? Ew, you can't leave. <laughs> you mean? I'm like, this stranger. You don't get to tell her if she gets to leave this town or not. Who the fuck are you? But he was her, tour, or she was his tour guide. They became best like, buds. This weird emotional, like, pull. Like, weird place. Don't like it. Don't think it's appropriate. Weird flex, but not okay. <laughs> yeah, just weird writing moment. Cool. Got it. I get it. Like, they're supposed to be playing this thing like they're, they're connected already. Mm. It just wasn't the right time. Uh, she ends up dropping him off at the facility. And she has this really good empathy moment. And there's something to say. I know we live in extremely difficult times right now. And we're seeing a lot of media come out about cops. I say, like, Watchmen. Fargo is doing a really interesting job with it, too. Like, there's a, we have a lot of cop issues currently. Justice system. Needs reforming. <laughs> we're not the podcast for this, but there's plenty of resources out there. They do a really good job of making cops seem understanding. I think as a whole. They're not really ever mocking Ichabod. Maybe like a little bit with the polygrapher. But it also seems like there's a lot of patience for this guy. Granted, he's a calm white male, so... <laughs> I don't have enough time to talk about this. <laughs> but there's a scene where he's in, in the psychiatric facility. He got his own room. And she's like, you know, I could see... Regardless of if it's true or not that you are time traveling, right? This would be freaky if it was a mental illness, too. Like, she'd, like, even just explain, like, this is this would be a lot to take in if you really believe that you've been dead for 250 years. I could see why that would be hard and scary. And so, this kind of goes into the, this personal background story, too, because he asked her, like, oh, you've experienced shit before. And she's like, I don't want to talk about it. And then two minutes later, I'm going to talk about it now. <laughs> so... And she talks about how when she was, she was little with her sister, they went exploring the woods. They saw four white trees. And then there was like this faceless, demonic shape, not really a person, not really an animal, not really sure what it was. They black out, woke up on the side of the road. The sheriff that she used to work with that died recently picked them up. And the whole town started saying that they were crazy, that they didn't see anything. And to the point that her sister started to believe it and is now fighting her own demons and is in and out of uh, psychiatric facilities pretty much constantly. And like this is like, her, her empathy for Ichabod in the sense of just, you know, sometimes you believe stuff that's not really true. Right. And this is where it starts slowing down. This is when I start checking the timer on the clock. I was like, okay. You're like, mm, okay, sure. What's what's going to happen now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move yeah. along. Where's the, where's the ending coming in? We're, we're, mm. we're reaching a point here. This, this is like really very much like the second act, right? So then mm -hmm. we go into this third act. And 
Abby starts creeping around in her dead sheriff's office and turns out, I use a regular Van Helsing. Uh, he has like this whole hidden office space and office files of all the creepy stuff that's happening around town. The reason he was working off the clock in the beginning was because he was trying to find connected mysterious things that all connected coven-wise, witch-wise, all the weird shit. He like he knew there was stuff going on around the town that no one else did, but he didn't make it like official. It was just like his pet project, basically. Finds all of his research and she's like, oh shit, this stuff might be real. This might be like really real. Orlando Jones jumps in. He's like, you should have been here. She's like, okay, bye. <laughs> Steals the key, hides everything. On they go. Then Ichabod has a dream about his dead wife, but also maybe not a dream because then she is dressed again in this dress that's black and has a lot of cleavage, a lot of collarbone. And she's like, I've been trying to reach you. <laughs> this is the only way I can do it though. I must tell you a very important exposition. <laughs> I must tell you things that are going to be prevalent throughout the whole season. <laughs> about you know the horseman how he's death and how uh her grave actually doesn't have her body but it has his head and the horseman cannot get his head back if he does like it's the end of the world that's when the next three are gonna come bad stuff's gonna happen if the the death gets his head back weird and that he has a weakness of sunlight and that there's two witnesses which is also a, a quote from the bible which gets brought up later on as well uh, and then it gets scary, and she's like, they found me, they found us, you have to go now. Oh, and then this is also when we get the uh, the flashback, too, of him seeing the the priest, and it turns out the priest was in the same coven as she was, and, like, he's starting to connect the dots that, like, that's why he's so old, why they were together, at, like, at the time of his death, and, like, he was involved in him being buried and coming back to life. Right. Hmm. And you see the, you see the horseman and Ichabod's blood commingling, so they're, they're connected. Yeah. But then, like, the, the interesting twist was the way this all gets presented, because it's from this kind of perspective of Ichabod, right? That like, he was the first one to wake up. Incorrect. It was actually someone woke up the horseman instead. So Plot just twist. Be- <laughs> Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. And because the horseman was woken up, that meant that he was woken up, too. Because it would have worked both ways, right? Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I like that. It's not a big change, but it's interesting. Yeah. Because now it's like, okay, who woke up the horseman? Yeah. Why? Why did this happen? What's going on? Why now? And so now you know, like, the, the last quest of this episode is going to be is to make sure that the horseman doesn't get his head. And to be fair, I thought that was going to be, like, a story arc of the, like, three to four episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. I thought this was going to be kind of dragged out, going to be trying to convince people. No. No. He wakes up. People who are working at the facility are trying to drug him up because they think he's having an episode. She walks in and she's like, nope, he's mine. Here's a court order. He's mine now. Bye. And turns out it's a fake. And they have to rush out of the hospital. And she's like, I... I believe you. I believe this. And he's like, okay, but that repeats everything you learned in the dream. Okay, cool. Sounds good. We'll go to the church and we will go and get the skull so that we, the, the, the horseman can't get it. It is pitch black. I'm going to mention this a few times. It is pitch black outside when they finally get there. Previous to this too, Abby does call Andy, who is played by John Cho. And mm-hmm. she says, hey, I need you to come here. Uh, I don't really trust anyone else, but I really need to help here. Maybe call a few people for backup. And he's like, yeah, I just got home. I just finished a 36-hour shift. She's like, yeah, but no one else is going to believe me. I need you here with me as I dig up this grave, do this thing, dead horseman. We're going to catch this motherfucker. And he's like, okay, fine, I guess. And and he goes to his door, and the door's busted in, broken to hell. And he cautiously looks inside and sees that his gun locker has been raided as well. And then... Because it's a headless horseman, it's a cool scene because he's headless. And then as soon as he stands up, you realize he was sitting like his back to the door in a chair. (laughs) And he turns around and Andy's like, I know where it is. 
And I'm like, you motherfucker, you broke so fast. You broke so fast. <laughs> so now we're at the graveyard, pitch black out, right? And they're digging up the grave. They get the skull. It's creepy. It's gross. It's very Ramiro zombie-esque. Clear mm-hmm. pupils. It opens its eyes. Very scary. Oh, by the way, this is when the... Ethan. Alex. <laughs> this is... This is when the horseman shows up again with a fucking shotgun. Yeah, he's got he's got like the full on Rambo look going on. Shotgun, an automatic rifle, like just loaded up. I have this one like, how does this fucking undead guy know how to use him? Like he's dead. Of course he knows how to use guns. But it is so absurd to see this headless red coat body using a shotgun. Like this is zombie nun bullshit i don't know just it's it's a level in itself like i can't believe this is happening i can't believe they got this on tv i can't believe someone read this and thought yes good keep that yes (laughs) green light it and so uh, combat scene right they're trying to protect the skull blah 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 uh they get separated never split the party abby is trying to shoot at the huntsman and that's when andy shows up in his car and she's like it's weird that no one else showed up he's like yeah weird huh (laughs) weird huh Uh, I have guns in the trunk. Sounds great. And she goes to the trunk and he does something to her. Rankalizes, knocks her out, something. I think I think he just uses the gun, like gun butts her across the head. And she collapses. Uh, and he drags her into the car and tells her, I told you to like leave him alone. You should have left this alone, which is something I didn't mention earlier, but it's something he did do. And I'm just trying to protect you. That's all I want to do. All I ever wanted to do is protect you. And she's like, yeah. Nah. Yeah, and bites him and like, get, tries to escape and is yelling at him to like, you can't work with this guy. He's literal death. And he's like, yeah, I know. He's literal death. I'm working. <laughs> you don't want to do this. And then Ichabod and the Headless Horseman are doing their thing, running around. Pew, 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 bullet, bullet, bullet. He's hiding behind a car with a skull. And then suddenly cops show up. Because... Uh, you know, APV goes out. Sure, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. And this is what I said, like, the NPCs notice. Like, do you think he can hear you? Do you think he can hear you to say, put your hands down? He doesn't have a head. He's like, I don't fucking know, dude. Very red versus blue. Well, yeah. What are they doing now? Same shit they were doing five minutes ago. <laughs> put your hands on your... Oh. <laughs> oh. So it was, like, a kind of goofy aside there. Yeah. And, like, between that dialogue... I... So I have this note... Because it was perfectly night out, and suddenly, sunrise. It's like the writers have never seen a sunrise before. Because it's not just, like, dark blue. It is, like, fucking ghosty, rainy day Yeah, it is, like, 7 (laughs) a.m. And so he's starting to, like, smoke, because sunlight is his weakness. But the way his headless form turns to look at it and look back at the cops, I went, hmm. I hope this doesn't awaken anything. And because oh, I've... No. <laughs> my crush on this episode is the Headless Horseman. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's because he shows an ounce of confidence that I'm like, I'm into that. All I right. like it. All right. All I mean, right. I'm into villains in general, but... All right. Don't, don't have to put a bag over his head. <laughs> All right. Here we are. Here I have the crush are. on... The crush. I have a crush on the Horless... Horless... Fuck, I can't even say it. I'm so flustered. <laughs> I can't believe this is, like, an actual emotion I had. And, like, I remember just resigned writing the note down. I'm like, I can't believe this. I can't believe I think the Headless okay. Horseman's cute. I'm gonna start writing Headless Horseman with hearts in my fucking binder. Oh, I just... I'll it's send an emotion. You, I'll, I'll have to find Pinterest stuff and send it to you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
I'll make a mood board just about the headless yeah. horseman. <laughs> I mean, do do you put like just like since it's a bus shot, do you just like put half of his shoulder in there and then still just this empty space with the heart around it? Yeah, of course. But like at Tumblr days, you do like flower crowns. What are you? You can't do that with the headless horseman. I mean, unless you're drawing oh, the pumpkin no. with it or something. I guess I. Mm. Mm. Anyway, so that's something I have to like unpack in therapy at some day. <laughs> Again, I recognize what it is, it's confidence, but it's yeah. fine. So yeah, anyways, it's suddenly daytime, and like very much daytime, and the Hellas Horseman's a chicken shit and pieces out. Because sunlight's his weakness. Or see that guess he's a vampire. Sure. Ugh, I don't yeah. know. I don't I think death hits at any time of day, so I don't know why daylight is suddenly a, a bad thing for him. Anyways, we're trying to wrap up the story. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I guess. We're wrapping up the story, right? Uh, and the, the next real scene is them back at the, what I call the cop house, a precinct. The, the term's precinct, but I always refer to it as a cop house. Cop house. With Orlando Jones being like, well, I don't know how you did it, but you have a bunch of cops supporting you, so I guess uh, it's going to stick, but also I need something to tell the public. I'm going to need some help. And she's like, yep, well, I'm here to do that. And he's like, but aren't you leaving for Quantico in two weeks? Nah, I'm good. I, I need to be here. I'm like, you dummy. Do you know how few people make it to the FBI? You're an idiot. <laughs> but she's got crime, supernatural shit. I you're saying guess. you You're saying if you're in her shoes and you, you take still, the fucking FBI job. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going to wash your hands and like, I ain't going to be part of this apocalypse shit. I'll just live my life for the next couple of weeks before it happens. <laughs> I... It's, it just it definitely made me giggle. I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Sacrificing Char- that really big, hard-to-get thing. Cool. Character growth. <laughs> something. Yeah, they had to show something, right, for her to be there. Mm-hmm. And this is when FBI Captain Person runs off. Orlando Jones, he's gone. He's like, okay, cool. Work with you later. And Ichabod's like, by the way, I'm not sure if you know this. <laughs> but, like, continues to speak the quote from, from Revelations about how the fact that there isn't one witness, but two witnesses, and his dead wife referred to him as the first witness, and he believes that her, to, her being Abby, to be the second witness, and that the that the witnesses basically pair up and fight evil for seven years before they actually fix the apocalypse. <laughs> and I'm like, bold move, Cotton. You're expecting seven seasons, aren't you? Six seasons in a movie. <laughs> Fuck, shit, you went for it. You just, you called it right then and there. And yeah, it got canceled after four seasons. As far as I'm aware, like, they, there's four seasons. And there's it was a little bit of overlap between season years, right? They could have been doing shit in between, right? Sure. I, I, I have no idea where it ends, obviously, because I just watched the pilot. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, that's bold. That's brave. You just, you ruined yourself because of that. Seven seasons is a lot for this kind of fucking show. And we think it's done. It's not done. The very last scene is Andy in his jail cell because he's done a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And you see this weird, vague shape, kind of the same one that she saw. With her, and, and her, with her sister. And there's some also yeah. reference to the fact that the four white trees they saw was a reference to the four horsemen. I don't know. I wasn't paying that close attention. It felt like a stretch at the time. But so this demon, which is basically, do you wish to live deliciously, opens the door and it's telling him you failed. And Andy's like, give me one more chance. And he's like, nah, bruh. And just full on, like, snaps his neck back. Bad break. He's not going to survive that. He's also very dead because he's also a probably expensive actor. <laughs> not that important of a character after he got bonked up real good. And so Ichabod and Abby show up in the cell to interrogate him just in time to see him basically 
fall to the ground dead. They look in the mirror and they see the demon devil bad guy walking into the same kind of weird forest that Ichabod was in in his dream with his wife. And it's a cool scene as we're starting to get this overlap. And I feel like it's, again, a very relevant for Revelations. It's in the fucking... Uh, da, dead by um not dead by daylight that's not what i'm thinking of dawn the dead it's the he rode a pale horse and his name was yeah. death like that quote is is, yeah. is being read over and you see it just like this really quick rapid movement of the demon rushing towards the mirror and the mirror breaks and you see the reflection of the two people the two main characters and that's it that's episode one i, I was gonna ask you this do you know what song that was playing at the very beginning and the at the very end of this episode was <sighs> rolling stones sympathy for the devil there it is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, honestly, I couldn't tell you that I knew it. I just, it showed in the subtitles. Yep. So, I was yep, like, yep. something, something yep. devil rolling stones. I'm, I'm kind of music stupid, so don't okay. rely on me for that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it, it just fits. I was like, mm, interesting yeah. choice. I like it. Unless it wasn't like Hell's Bells, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, no. So, for the most part, I was pretty jazzed about it. I, Ethan. I Alex? just just finished Riverdale like a week ago. Oh, so you need a... Uh, I need a new show. You need something else. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Sleepy Hollow. You got four seasons to do it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I did. I really enjoyed it. I think... Good. I think most of my, my criticisms and jokes happened within the synopsis as is tradition, but I, don't, I didn't really have anything to carry on past it. Yeah. Is there anything that you're curious about? Like I said, I think I only got like halfway through the first season because uh, I honestly like don't remember much of this show. I was going to say with your crushing heart on like Captain Hook characters and stuff, it's got to be <laughs> something with, I mean, it's an aesthetic more than anything. It's because it's the bearded figures with long, shaggy, coats. unkept hair and like colonial coats. <laughs> as long as you have any kind of colonial wardrobe, I think I think you're all right. <laughs> But Captain has a high and tight, or not necessarily high and tight, but he has a he has a close crop hairdo. That's, That's true. But he gets a little it gets a little muffed up every now and then when he's fighting, so it kind of gets the the flop and everything like that. He's really cute. Like you like very those close shaped beards and just the smug looks. Do like that too. I do mm. like the smugness. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm not even gonna fight it. Like, <laughs> like you said, I hope this doesn't awaken anything. <laughs> <laughs> One, the Captain Hook thing is something like I've known for a while. Right. But the the the, the, the horseman, the horseman. Ball, I was like, oh, this is weird. This is into weird territory. I uh, guess. 2020's been rough yeah. pandemic wise. <laughs> Since you can't see him socially, they might as well not have a head in the first place. Right? I mean, yeah. can't spread any germs that way. Can't talk back. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> I shared this in good faith with you and, and our the fans. Audience. <laughs> I expected you not to bully me. What am I? I'm not bullying you. I'm just making some observations here. (laughs) There's there's a lot to unpack and all that. (laughs) That's Uh, a whole going to be a separate podcast. 12 episodes of why Alex likes Captain Hook and characters (laughs) like them. (laughs) But yeah, as for questions about the show or anything, I, I, I can't think of really anything. I guess, obviously, since we're doing a Four Horsemen kind of thing what what are your kind of like predictions i guess if they do or when they show the four horsemen are you hoping obviously obviously we have a real white horse so i'm assuming they're gonna be on real horses dude i don't even fucking know because this was such a curveball for me (laughs) such a curveball i did not think that was at all remotely where they're gonna take it right 
you you thought it was just going to be these two pinnacles of like good versus bad type thing just yeah, some weird yeah. curse keeping yeah. it together neither can uh, live while the other or another can die while the other lives and i was like like that was going to live on to like multiple seasons either and so i you know i, I have like supernatural predictions like this yeah. show is supernatural just like yeah. i think they're probably gonna wrap up this this horseman arc in, in a season or two and there's gonna be something else that comes around yeah like fringy um, or something like that or, or whatnot an offshoot because they fucked up the horseman thing like mm-hmm. that that's my guess i don't have anything massive um antichrist i don't know <laughs> what other biblical bullshit they can pull out you're just waiting for the george washington spinoff aren't you i hope george washington comes back and is like gets a shotgun himself let's party bitches like i am ready for it <laughs> And then Nick Cage comes in and steals the Declaration of Independence, and then, and then that's where we get the the start off of those movies. Hollywood, make it happen, you cowards! Make it happen. It just it's such a ridiculous concept, but also very on brand for like that era of TV. Right. I feel like like knowing what else was coming out at the time, like yeah, this totally makes sense. This yeah, totally this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> as long as they're having fun, which it looks like they are. Also, I remember, I feel like this was one of those shows that got canceled at season three, but then pushed for season four and season four didn't do well. Like, I, I know that just had a lot of turbulence with the the continuation of the show, and that, but the fan base was very, very strong behind it. Right. People who love Sleepy Hollow love Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. So, I, and I think, I really do think I'm going to like it. I, yeah. I can tease and joke all I want, but I think I'm, for what it is, I'm really going to enjoy it. Yeah. It's... You're obviously not saying it's like the pinnacle of of TV cinema. You're just like this is awful, but I love it. Or it's it's a good trash. <laughs> I'm also gonna say I did just finish Riverdale, so the bar is so low right now. <laughs> like so low. You've got week to week showing of Fargo oh and this, so you're like I've got one good show and I've got the other show. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely falling under my guilty pleasure. Yeah, I maybe it's also giving vibe like Reaper vibes a little bit. Sure, it was around the same time Grimm was out and everything too. So it's all that you know, yeah, I don't know network supernatural show. I, I I I'm not complaining. It also kind of made me want to go back and watch Once Upon a Time. I won't lie. Yeah, there you go. It, it definitely very much made me <laughs> almost go back and start watching that again. But yeah, yeah. What's my rating for it? What should I? Uh, let's see here. I was trying to think of something good. We could do Four Horsemen. Well, I was gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna keep with the spooky season and keep the thirteen, but we're gonna do out of thirteen head jack o' lanterns. Out of thirteen oh, jack o' lanterns, what would you rate this show? God, this gets me every time. Like I know this question's coming. Mm-hmm. I th- I want to give it a solid twelve out of thirteen. I really do. Okay, nice, nice. I think the dialogue is it horrible. Yeah, there's some things like okay great the writers are trying to show off how smart they are not, not too much though right some of the obligatory dialogue concepts that come with shows like this sure but as a whole it was just really well done for a pilot to end and for me to be excited to watch more that hasn't happened too often on this, right. this season yeah. it really hasn't yeah so yeah I, I i'd give it that 12 out of 13 there you go cool the, the lack of points no, recognizing that it's trash and does not deserve the 13. <laughs> right. I acknowledge that this isn't great. Like you said, guilty pleasure. <laughs> but also, I won't, like, mince hairs about this. Like, I'm not going to give, like, my rating. It's, like, in what, like, a subjective versus objective rating is. Like, this is just a straight up total of 13. Yeah. There so. you go. 
Nice. I can't believe spooky season's over. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we can't stop watching shows and spooky stuff. Guess I'll just have to go back to watching Silent Hill again. I guess. You're going to get a new season soon. American Horror Story? Mm. 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 There's stuff. There's still stuff to watch. There's still stuff. Always. Well, I think... Uh, thanks, I guess. I don't know. I was going to say thank you. Thanks for being here, Ethan. I yeah, appreciate you're welcome. you. Yeah. Thanks for being here as well, too. Uh, I guess, Alex, if they still want to know about more spooky stuff, is there anything you're doing spooky related that they can they can fall back on? Oh, yeah. I talked a little bit about it earlier, but I've been doing Twitch streams all month. So if you're very lucky, you can catch me on Twitch and catch some of the old VODs or even maybe possibly... I'm playing Amnesia on Halloween, so... Oh, shit. Not just Amnesia. Uh, Amnesia Rebirth comes out the 26th? 20th? Oh, fuck. So, somewhere in that time frame, and I go real hard on Amnesia, and I'm very excited about this new Amnesia, so we're just going to be playing that all the weekends. So come hang out with me on Halloween, for sure. I'll be doing that on Roll for Alex, except I spelled it like a dumbass, because past Alex actually stole Roll for Alex spelled correctly, I don't know what email it's attached to. I cannot find it for the life of me. So instead of a... Th- E, there's a three. Think, lead, speak. So, roll for Alex spelled with a three instead. Uh, come hang out. It's going to be a good time. Or also, you could just follow me on Twitter at roll for Alex. Yeah. What about you, Ethan? I'm not doing a whole lot of spoopy stuff, but every now and then I have wild musings about things. I'm also very active in our Cool Kids Discord, so you can always follow us there. But if you want to hear my musings, you can just go to Shaw on the tweets or the Instagrams. And yeah, you can find me there. And he mentioned the Discord. You should come hang out on the Discord. It's fun. We have a good time. It's great. There's all sorts of spoopy related stuff that always happens too. (laughs) And horrible memes. And I mean, we don't talk about much here, but our newest channel is roleplay stuff. As in like roleplaying games. So if you want to find a tabletop group, if you just want to find some people to talk about their past campaigns, if you want to talk about characters or dice, that's our newest channel. And I'm very excited about it. So yeah, me too. And plus, you know, you can go there to tell us how wrong we are, even though we know we're right. Hell yeah. But guess what else, Ethan? What? You might have liked your theme song. You might have. You might have thought, like, damn, that's a, that's a sick beat. It is Astronaut by the Spinwires off their Nights Out EP. So you should definitely check them out and their work. They do a really good job. A lot of cool covers. I personally enjoy them a whole, whole bunch. Hell yeah. So let's go ahead and call it a day. Yeah, I think we've said all we needed to say. Thank you, audience, and... Don't go to the fucking bars. Don't go trick-or-treating. Stay inside, watch spooky movies. Stay inside, watch spooky movies. Watch the newest Halloween that they did, like, two years ago. Greatest, like, reboot slash sequel thing. That's not the Rob Zombie one, is it? No, the the new one that just came out, like, a a couple years ago. It also has teeth getting pulled out out of it. I'm sensing a theme with you, Ethan. Body horror, like I said. I dig it. I dig it. Alright. See ya. See ya. Bye. Happy Halloween. Ghosts. Ghosts. Cavities are scary.